you, Bradley. Stephanie is here and at the back to help children get their Bible boxes. The rest of us, let's turn to Mark chapter 9. Today is the last Sunday of Epiphany. It's the season, of course, in which we look at the wisdom of Jesus Christ as he teaches us about things. Today is Transfiguration Sunday, and next Sunday, of course, will be the first Sunday of Lent, the 40-day period leading up to Easter and uh, great uh, sacrifice and resurrection power of God, the highest day of the Christian year. So as we end this season, the lectionary takes us to Mark chapter 9, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and it's going to be the second verse in just a moment. When I think of Transfiguration Sunday and that amazing moment on the mountaintop, my thinking goes back to Celtic Christianity. I've always been fascinated with this Christianity of the British Isles, Ireland and Scotland and England. And although the historians are not as convinced that it is as historical, going all the way back to the 5th century as many uh, Christians believe, there is undoubtedly uh, a unique expression of Christian thought in that area with some, some uh, wonderful expressions. One of those is the concept of thin places. As one Celtic Christian describes it, a thin place is a place where the boundaries between heaven and earth are especially thin. It's a place where we can sense the divine more readily. Now, some believe these places to be actual geographic places that you need to, to travel to and to be present in order to be with God, and they experience God in profound ways when they do so. Others suggest that it's not the geographic place in itself, but rather it's the heart that comes to a place of wanting to be with God, either in that geography or in any other uh, specific or special place. Many of those places in the world are mountaintops, they're vistas, gardens, islands, churches, sanctuaries. In fact, some build churches on these special locations where people have consistently experienced the presence of God. One of those within the Celtic realm is on the island of Iona. And you recognize immediately that Ionian life is the eternal life of God. This is considered to be a thin place, and so they built a little uh, rustic uh, church on this very small, windblown island. Now, as I said, I thought of that as I read our text about the Mount of Transfiguration. As we'll see in a moment, this mountain in Israel, Mount Tabor, is the place where heaven and earth not only became thin, but they met as Jesus met with. Elijah, Moses, in a moment of supreme and eternal interaction. Now, interestingly, the impulse of Peter, as we'll see, is to build three churches there, uh, one in favor or in honor of each of them. Centuries later, that is, in fact, what the church did. In the 4th to the 6th century, a Byzantine church occupied that mountain peak. In the 12th century, a crusader church was built there. And now in the 20th century, you can see this Franciscan uh, church that is there. There's also on that same mountaintop, as the Western Church and the Eastern Church meet, there's a Greek Orthodox church. 
Here is a picture of them celebrating the Feast of the Transfiguration and their ornate tradition. The Eastern Church is very ornate, both in its literature and its, and its liturgy, as well as in its architecture. Uh, overwhelmingly beautiful in, in all of its art form. But now the question that we want to bring to the text this morning is, what should we do when we encounter God? How do we respond to the thin places in our lives? So let's go to Mark chapter 9. We're going to start with the second verse. When heaven and earth meet, what should we do? After six days, Mark writes, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them, led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone on the earth could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three, and the Greek word is tabernacles or churches, shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. That wonderful mark and uh, hold back everything until people are ready uh, to hear it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, this time when we get to be in this sanctuary a thin place for us. We would ask that as we're here, that we would be prepared to meet with you in all the ways that you want to do that. Teach us how it is to, to commune with you in worship and prayer and study and all the spiritual disciplines of our lives. And of course, we'll give you the praise for you alone are worthy of praise. Amen. Now, there are many things we could focus on when you have an event like this that is so historic that we even have a day of the church, the Sunday of Transfiguration. But I would suggest to you today that perhaps the, the key to the verse is the comment that Mark makes parenthetically after responding to the suggestion that they erect three tabernacles, three churches, one for each of the three that are there. Mark then explains in, in parenthesis, he did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Now, since Mark is actually writing down what Peter is preaching, then this is Peter's own explanation of what he felt at that moment and why he said what he said to Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Now, there are two things, of course, in this parenthesis. The first is they were frightened, and we'll come back to that in a moment. The second is that you get the feeling, since Peter makes that statement, that he's embarrassed for making such a suggestion. Uh, that to build a church on a thin place is an inappropriate response uh, to this moment that uh, 
is just beyond any kind of human experience. Yet that is, in fact, what we've done. Uh, down, down through the centuries, both in the Old and the New Testament, there were markers and stones and temples and churches that have been built uh, to symbolize moments of encounter with God all the way through history. We not only see them on the Mount of Transfiguration, as I showed you a moment ago, but on Mount Sinai, where Moses experiences the burning bush, and, of course, where he receives the Ten Commandments. We built a monastery with the chapel of the burning bush. And it's a, a beautiful, uh, beautiful chapel there. The same is true of many thin places, such as the Church of the Multiplication. Uh, those of us who are going this next week to go to Israel, we will go to the Church of the Multiplication. It's the place where it is said Jesus fed the 5,000 on this hillside near Galilee. It's also the place where his fourth appearance after his resurrection occurred. We also built the Mount of Beatitudes, where Jesus preached the, the disciples on the mountain, looking over the Sea of Galilee as well. And there are, of course, many, many, many more. If you were to look at all the places where specific things occurred, uh, the, Mount of, the Church of the Nativity, the Church of the Sepulchre, all these churches that are built on these special places. I remember when we were in Israel about 15 years ago and we were leaving the Church of Multiplication. I asked the guide who was there, he's a Palestinian Christian, and I said, you know, why did they, why did they build a church over this very sacred place? You know, and He goes, well, what would you want them to do? You want them to build a hamburger stand? And so you kind of think, well, yeah, you know. So <laughs> what, what should we build? And do we just leave a rock in a field as the place where something occurred? Do we build a church around it as the Church of the Sepulchre uh, has done to signify where Jesus was crucified? But what do you think? When you have a moment where heaven and earth come together for you and you meet with God in a way that's not usual, you experience God in his fullness, what is your response? Do you build a church? And if in fact it is as much a place of the heart as it is a geographic place, then do sanctuaries, dedicated safe places, chapels, monasteries, do they help us prepare our hearts for divine interaction? It's interesting, in even the very words that Mark uses, that you begin to realize that these thin places are interactive. They aren't just thin in our own eyes or anyone's eyes, they are something that in the moment God reveals himself to us. We beheld something because, in fact, we are prepared for it. Not everyone at the same place can experience God unless their hearts are ready to receive and commune and be with God and respond to God in that place. We have to participate. The word that Mark uses there, and they appeared before them, Elijah and Moses talking with Jesus, is an unusual middle voice. You don't see it very often in the scriptures. 
And it's of the verb optomenai, where you get optometrist. There are three voices in Greek. The middle voice is the one that he uses. It's very different from the passive third voice, where you passively sit back and you receive what it is that the other person is doing, and they're doing it all to you as you passively receive it. There's the first voice, the active voice, for you're the one who is doing it. You're producing the vision out of some kind of hallucination, perhaps, or some kind of wishing that you could meet with God. No, it's, it's the middle voice. It's an uncommon middle voice where Peter and James and John are active participants in a nuanced moment of profound experience that God provides. And so it's not either first or third voice. It's a middle way. It's a joining together of who the person is prepared to encounter God and God reaching down to us in that thin place, that thin moment within our lives. So think about that. To have an experience of God is to enter into the middle way. It involves most often going to places, perhaps geographically, where God meets with you. But you go as an expectant participant in a moment of worship, a moment of prayer, a moment of interaction, a moment of experience. Now, as I said, often those places are, in fact, dedicated for the very purpose of meeting with God, a sanctuary, a safe place, a place where others have gathered to meet with God. We often experience it out in nature, on a seashore. Last night, Cheryl and I went to that beautiful sunset, and when we got there, hundreds of people were at the place in Hope Ranch we like to go. We couldn't find parking because they wanted to be there. Now, what draws you to that? What sense of awe and majesty and beauty causes you to want to be there and to be in a place where the sun kisses the earth? And what does that look like in our own spiritual life as God comes and spends time with us? It's a place where we bring a spirit of preparation and anticipation and expectation that God is going to do something in our lives. But now let's go back to the revealing comment that Peter makes that they were all so frightened. It's interesting that this is often our response. You know, we want to meet with God and then when he does we get scared. We use lots of different words to describe the feeling. Here Mark uses ekphobos. And it's a kind of fear that just wants to get out of there and get away from uh, what is happening because you're so overwhelmed by it. But the basic word, phobos, can be, in fact, a sense of awe, a sense of reverence, a sense of worship, as in the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and of understanding. But as you can see, it's the person who decides whether they're so afraid that they need to get out of there or whether they are going to, in fact, move toward God in a closer sense of reverence and awe. Yes, of course, overwhelming to any sense of self and to any sense of, of size or power or anything we've ever experienced. Yes, of course, but do we flee from it or move towards it?
Do we come to know him and his grace and love? Or do we flee from the power and the majesty and the justice? How do we encounter God? And what is the choices that we make? I want us to stop there and let's, let's consider our own experiences of meeting with God. Is there a place where God meets with you? What do you bring to such a place to fully participate in that moment? This sanctuary is a thin place for me. I could not tell you how many times over these four decades that God has met me, convicted me, changed me, transformed me, empowered me, given me moments of revelation and understanding in which I have experienced the fullness of God. Uh, walking the beach in my prayer walk or the Wilcox property now, those are powerful times for me as I experience a very personal connection and conviction and empowerment, inspiration, vision. I've had whole sermons be given to me in that silence as I walk along the cliffs overlooking God's beautiful creation. I have had moments of insight as to the person I'm, I'm going to see that day and what it is God might want me to say on his behalf into the life of that person whom God loves so much. I experience God literally in my office as I study, counsel, shepherd God's people, and it becomes a sacred moment. I can feel it, and it, we've stepped into a thin place. God's at work here. It's a place where, where there's going to be something happen that's greater than, than either of us brought to it, but we're prepared to receive it because that's why we're there. That's why we've gotten together is to see what God might do. Now, in, in all of those in, in my own life, and I think this is true in most people and the, the history of the church, the location is, in fact, a repeated experience. I go to those geographic places often, most of them daily, weekly, sometimes in an annual sense. And yes, those exact places, therefore, matter to me. They enhance me. I worship far better in this sanctuary with you than I do any sanctuary uh, because this is a thin place. I've experienced God here and I know that he's here and I want to, to receive from him through whatever ministry of music or word or prayer or, or praise or, or testimony or conversation or scripture that we share. So what about you? What are your thin places? How do you prepare to be there? How does God uniquely interact with you? Do you have an artist's heart and he speaks through music and dance and the visual arts? Do you have an intellect's mind and he speaks through insight, complexity, paradox? Do you have an athlete's body and he speaks through movement and sights and sounds and the wind against your face, the waves beneath your feet? Do you have a mystic soul and he speaks through silence and solitude and meditative preparation? 
We all have a, a portion of those and others, of course. But we also tend to have a preferred interaction, a knowing that this is, this is how I am and my unique relationship with God usually happens in these ways. Yes, there are exceptions to that, but this is usually the way that I meet with God. And knowing that and knowing how I meet with God is, is a part of spiritual maturity. Learning most often through the things that don't work for you. I often have people say, you know, that they kneel in prayer. I've tried that. I can't do that. I'm so worried about how my knees feel that I forget all about God. <laughs> but I love to walk. I like to be in nature. I like to be away from. And I think I go back to my to my roots of five years in the country, my first five years, without any television or media. It wasn't created then. And uh, just the silence with God and His created world. I connect with Him. I connect with Him deeply. Where do you connect? What is it that, that connects you and how do you connect with Him? This morning, of course, as we've been together, this is a thin place. God is here. Jesus himself made the promise, and it's a simple one. Where two or three people gather in my name, there I am with them. Notice there's a there and a where. There is a place where two or three of us gather because of him. In his name, it's our purpose to meet with him. We've come in preparation and so when we are prepared and we go there, there he is with us. So in a moment like this, where we've come to prepare to be with God in worship and to experience his presence, God is here. The question is, are we? Let's spend time with God. <laughs> 